The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful <laughs> And A.J. Applegar Sin Shu Chu It's a mouthful All right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me, wearing a, a baseball jersey for a football show, is uh, AJ Hapagroth. What's up, man? There's a method to my madness, like always. Sure uh, about that? We're talking <laughs> best ball today, and the Philadelphia Phillies are playing their best ball all year right now uh, with their new manager, thank Sweet baby Jesus, that Joe Girardi is no longer running this team. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm doing that. And I also need to give a shout out to our Hokies and their, uh, well, both the softball and uh, baseball teams. The softball's season got cut a little short, but they were they were in the hunt there, and um, men's team is is heading into possibly getting into the college world series after this weekend. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. They're playing, they're playing really good ball, man. That offense was on fire, dude. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. This, uh, that was, that was pretty good. But, uh, all right. So tonight we're going to be covering some best ball strategies. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting into that. But, uh, before we bring on our guests, let's do our beer of the week. Mm, beer. What you got, man? I am uh, working through the rest of the stone pack that I bought and doing the Stone Delicious IPA. That's a good one, man. I like As it. As a starter. Yeah, 7-7 seven, seven, uh, ABV, citrusy lemon drop hops, tropical El Dorado hops, and uh, gluten reduced. So whatever that means, I'm into it. <laughs> All right. So um, I may not even finish this one during the show. But it is the Dogfish 120. Oh. So uh, if anybody knows this beer, it's weekend. roughly about they they think it's eighteen <laughs> percent. They have no idea. Like, oh, I think they're all sort of different. By the way, so yeah. like this could be more. This could be slightly less. Whatever the batch came out as is what they bottled. But um, this was a birthday gift to myself. When the wife and kids were away, and I was like, yes, sir, I'm buying this. So, bottoms up. Speaking of birthday gifts, uh, you have completely failed to mention the beers that I left in your fridge for you. Did you just not realize that I'm the one who left them for you? I haven't gotten to them yet. We haven't had any shows since my birthday, except for one. Maybe. Maybe they're coming. I promise they're being they're being stashed away all right, all right. for the Just, rest of the summer shows. We we got, there was I got no, you. There was no comments. No nothing. No like. Hey, I cool. said thank you before you left my house that night. Other than that, I mean, Jesus, cool. Everybody can say thank you right away. Oh my gosh, it's the the after fact that. Can, all right. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk some ball. Better. <laughs> All right, let's bring on our guests so they don't hear us bickering anymore like a married couple. Uh, Preston White is over here, and then David's paying Preston. What's going on tonight, man? Doing well, doing well. Ready to talk some best ball. All right, good stuff, man. Looking forward to it. And Davis, how are you doing tonight, man? You ready to roll? Oh, yeah, you know it. Just completing my last 80 drafts, and I'll be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Um, all right, so we're going to talk just just quick first thing here. You know, we're going to talk some of the the different platforms um, that 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 you can play best ball on. You know, obviously there's Underdog, there's RT Sports, FanDuel, there's DK, there's all these things. So, um, real quick, Preston, like, give us a couple differences between between all these all these sites. Yeah, so kind of starting with underdog i guess the first the first thing that kind of distinguishes underdog is that it's half ppr most of the other sites are full ppr 
in addition, Underdog takes the sort of playoff format for the determining the winner. So the first 14 weeks, you're playing against the the 11 other teams you drafted against, and then from then on out, it's a one-week elimination playoff type progression till, till you get to the finals in week 17. But whereas you have a format like Drafters, which is one of the full PPR formats. Drafters actually uses a sort of highest scoring overall team type concept for the winner. So once you draft your team, you're no longer just a part of your, you know, 11 other drafters division um, for the entire length of the season. It's just every team for themselves, highest overall score on the season is how you determine each place. Um, the other main formats like DraftKings, DraftKings actually takes um, a very similar format to underdog with the playoff structure but DraftKings, in addition to being full ppr also has their sort of uh bonus scoring that they have for dfs so they give additional points to quarterbacks throwing over 300 yards uh, wide receivers running backs tight ends getting over 100 receiving or rushing yards um, and then in addition rts is the other main one rts uses uh, full ppr but it's also only a 10 team draft kind of the main difference with rts2 which is it's it's interesting but unique they have a sort of hybrid approach where they have payouts for first and second place within the uh 10 teams you draft against but at the same time your overall score for the season also determines like a separate prize pool um so you kind of have like a mix between drafters and a normal sort of sit and go um type approach for rts um cool yeah it was a fantastic breakdown that's uh, i think most of it uh davis i can't tell if you're actually there man you are frozen um I'm frozen you are totally frozen you changed <laughs> your right. background and uh it froze everything on you but uh <laughs> we can hear we can hear you uh yeah, maybe if you don't mind uh yeah just real quick before you go like you got anything to add to that and then we'll jump into the next and you can come in and come out well, uh, Preston kind of held ahead. I would say that the one thing that I think DK separates as well, as, as he pointed out, is obviously the PPR from UD. But the bonuses, I think the bonuses is a very big portion of DK that is hard to calculate, right? 300 yards uh, throwing, uh, over 100 yards receiving, 100 yards rushing. I think they get bonuses for all those kind of things. And certain players, and we know those, those home run hitters, like they, they can do that multiple times. And some players will never do it even once. And I think I changed the big portion to who you want to draft. Something that I don't have to worry about when I do UD or when I do uh, RTS sports. Like, I'm not worried about, oh, will this guy get me bonuses? So it's a big thing that I think is overlooked a little bit here and there. And um, where where do you play most of your best ball on? I, I mostly play on UD. Um, picking up RTS sports this year. Um, I want to try PPR format. Um, I'll, a little bit of drafters because it's about similar. Okay. Uh, competition can be kind of stiff, though. Those guys that have been on those formats a long time really know how to do the system there. And it's a lot different because there is no eliminations that I'm used to doing at UD. It's about being the best, like the best drafter. And, you know, and I drafted really good teams last year <clears throat> that I was like, cool, this might finish in the top, you know, what high bracket. You know, I think I had a team that almost finished 1,900 points, and which was really, really high. The average, I think, was 17. And I didn't even come close. Some guy drafted like a twenty one hundred point team. I was wow. like, "What is going on? like?" Right? Like, that's <laughs> yeah, that's a four hundred point gap between the average guy who made it versus the average person, like the number one person, right? Which UD is paying this year. They're paying a million bucks for that. Yeah. All right. Let me. Uh, I'll let you bounce real quick, and hopefully you can come back in, and, and we'll have that figured out. But Preston, where do you where do you typically play most of yours? Yeah, underdog would definitely be my preference. Um, I think they just have the overall best interface and whatnot. It makes it super easy to draft, whether you're on a computer or on your phone. And so I would definitely say underdog. But I also I did a lot of drafters last year. I don't think I'm the biggest fan of the kind of overall highest scoring points on the season. Um, so I, I kind of like how RTS was able to. I was able to you know do better within my own little. I guess draft lobby, um, in addition to having the chance at the overall high scoring prizes. So probably might do a little more on RTS this year, just to kind of get that combination um, of I, like a floor play out with a ceiling type play, payout. So 
Um, underdog is definitely my preference, though. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to let you all know, uh, we're all going to be playing on RT Sports this, this summer. So uh, we're going to be promoting whatever league that we are joining on Twitter. So if you want to draft with us, follow all of our Twitter accounts. They're in our little handle here. I'm at F6PGL, at PangsPickFF, at FF underscore engineer underscore. And they're also in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, if you want to draft with us, just you know, keep tabs on our Twitter accounts and, uh, you know, you can, you can, you can play with us there. And of course, of course, we've got to promote our underdog. Um, <clears throat> got a promo code six pack all spelled out all one word. Uh, you can get your deposit bonus for up to a hundred dollars. That's pretty nice, man. hundred bucks. You get 200, um, you know, or you'll have 200. I mean, that's, that's pretty nice bonus, man. Um, so make sure you make sure you check that out if you want to jump in some underdog drafts. I'll be I haven't done it yet. I know you guys have have already gone in there with it, but uh, I haven't quite done it. But I'll I'll be joining some puppies for sure here, and some of the some of the uh, the the big ones here, the the big ball mania or whatever they call it. Um, but all right, that's enough talk about the platforms. Let's move over here to kind of last year's data, right? Uh, so. Underdog and RT Sports and all these sites, you know, they, they they do release their data, you know, to us here, thankfully. And uh, I just want to ask, what's the overall like lesson you learned from reviewing the data last year? And I know Underdog's the big one that, that has released the data so far this year already. Uh, so we'll focus on them, uh, David. What's the what's the first lesson you the the lesson you learned from looking at last year's data? I would say that right now, a big thing that people always talk about is like correlations and roster construction. Last year was a really big talk, but of like, oh, you got to go two four ten two. You got to do, you know, two five, you know, nine three, which meant like or heavy, like five nine two, which is like heavy wide receiver, heavy wide receiver. And it worked in some aspects, but I think the data showed that it didn't work that much. You couldn't, you know, like you couldn't do that. Um, when I looked at the finals rosters last year, like. Every roster made it, you know, guys with, you know, with three to four quarterbacks and six wide receivers made it like it's, it's not necessarily the construction. It's about nailing the right picks. And mm-hmm. that's something that gets overlooked a lot, right? Like I, I've seen, I had a, we have a guy in our group that's in our DJ den and he made it with five wide receivers a year before. And if I would look at the roster, I would have been like, Oh, that's an ugly roster. But he won like twenty thousand dollars on that roster. What am I <laughs> right? Like, what am I going to say about that guy's roster? Right? Like, it's nice. Clearly, it sucked. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, so, and I was in that same boat last year. Some of the teams that I didn't find to be that great made it. I had, a, I told you, a nineteen hundred point team. The quarterbacks, you're going to laugh. It's Daniel Jones, Big Ben, James Winston. Two or three of those guys didn't even finish the season, and that team made nineteen hundred points. That team. Made it to almost the finals and only got beat out in the semis because um, the person that happened to be in that division with, because it's all luck at that point, was like 165 points, which was higher, way higher than the average. But if I would have made it, that would have been a $8,000 team. Based on how that scored in the finals, that would have been eight grand. So you just you draft, you do what you think is best, you take your stands when you can, and um, you would be surprised what ends up in the finals. So that's a lesson I think that's learned, and I, uh, I think it's overlooked quite a bit. You know, we always talk about you got to go this way. I go, I've seen the finals. It's there's fifty to hundreds of different looking rosters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was I know I went heavy receiver last year, um, and. Uh, I'll be honest. Like I don't play in as many tournaments as you guys do, or as many as many drafts as you guys do. So uh, my leagues, my my teams did not do so hot. Um, but I, you know, I wasn't able to diversify as much as as you really want to with these. Um, Preston, what's the lesson you learned, man? I think one. I guess kind of going back to the point of diversification. I think you know this to really stress the importance of diversifying that last pick. And so you know, a really good strategy to use that I w- wish I would have used more is taking your last pick and trying to draft a player that's not being drafted, right? Because, you know, when we play like DFS or something like that, it's it's pretty easy to find players that you can find at like very low ownership and that aren't being, you know, aren't being played by the field as much because you only have like an eight-team 
starting roster. You don't have a full, you know, 18 roster with bench depth and whatnot. So, you know, on underdog, you're already kind of, or I mean, any best ball site, you're already kind of stressed um, on your roster to the fact that every player you're drafting is being drafted by a different team. So it's hard to kind of get unique or be contrarian like you can in DFS. But, you know, we've seen multiple years now in a row, like some of these players that weren't being drafted at all. Um, you know, 2020 was Mike Davis. Last year we had like Cordell Patterson. We had KJ Osborne, guys who just weren't being drafted at all. And who actually were, you know, almost, if not considered league winners, um, you know, if, if not, just had some pretty solid spike weeks. So um, it really can separate you from the field, especially when you're playing those type of contests um, like underdog or DraftKings where you have the playoff format. Because once you reach the playoffs, having, you know, if you're the only team of the 18 teams in your league that has this player, I mean, that just separate, separates you so much more, like let alone the finals. If you're one of 200 teams with this player, you know, completely separates you from the field so uh davis we'll start with you on this one again because you had touched on the roster builds um basically i mean who out of i guess out of the two of you is that is that what you were going for here joe the two of them who won more with no no no, just just overall like you know in in general whoever was playing who won more with what type of build I, I think Preston actually outdid me um, on making to playoffs. And I think he actually outdid me last year when it came to um, just doing 12-man straight-out drafts against other analysts and whatnot on this winter. I think me and you both, I think, doubled our money against other analysts last year. Nice. Like, we doubled right. and tripled our money. It was pretty bad. We were like just, you know, and we're not here to make fun, but we were like, yeah, like we do best ball and we do best ball well. I think we were, me and him were in so many drafts with other mm-hmm. analysts that we like completely crushed it. I think I made a lot of the money I would have lost back on other people. Well, so, but but back back to more uh, that that's actually overall. fantastic to hear. But yeah. yeah, so like you talked about like the roster builds of like the teams that made it far. But um, did and you said it was it was kind of all over the place. But like, did you notice that like okay, at least like twenty percent or twenty five percent were this build, this type of build, or was it just absolutely just so random? It was kind of hard it, to it extrapolate. Was like, I, yeah. you know, when you draft as many teams as I did, I know PressGen drafted a bit less than I did, but once you start drafting in, like, the 500s and the 6, like, your <laughs> rosters are kind of all over the place. So, but, and that's why I figured out that at the end of the day, like, the roster construction didn't matter. It was just about getting it right, right? Like, yeah. I had teams with Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, you know, I was very high in Joe Mixon last year, and that went across the board. And then I went in other ones with, you know, like, Rashad Penny, that like that did went really far. Like you never really knew. It was just about getting like certain guys, right? Like getting Cup, getting Mark Andrews yeah. correct. You know, um, you know, like Preston said himself, he was like all in Darren Waller, and that didn't really work for him. But I was like, I'm taking all the I'm taking all the Mark Andrews and T.J. Hawkinson, right? Like I'm I'm being weird. So like that really worked out. But it it wasn't necessarily like I said the construction. It's just about getting the guys and diversification helped a lot because you know we i think we me and him actually joked we both had 11 percent each on robert woods and cooper cup so half the time we were getting it right <laughs> half the time we were getting it wrong so it's kind of like it worked out um but if you take a stand on the place it, it could be better i've seen guys that did have like 18 percent cooper cup and they i guarantee you that 18 percent cooper cup wow. 18 those teams probably all made the fine all made playoffs i can't imagine i can't i can't see how you didn't that, that was pretty phenomenal <laughs> uh, i always you know, I always go back to I kind of like lucked out with with Cooper Cup last year and Scott Fish. I wanted Robert Woods, and he got picked like three picks in front of me, and yeah. and then I was like, but I but I want a piece of this Rams offense, and so I was like, screw it, Cooper Cup, and I was like, well, hell, all right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I did the same thing. I was like, good pick, all right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, okay I'm a genius, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get lucky at all. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, it's good. Austin Eckler is a good example of a guy that just carried so many teams. Oh, uh, I was all in on Eckler yeah. last year, you man. Know, like that was that, but so it's just I was happy to have him. Picks right, it's just not your construction. So I, I diversification allows you to have some teams that make it just because you picked around the board enough, and then the construction on it just means that you're mitigating. Which I think we're, we we'd probably go over that topic later, but like points contribution. So that's one thing I did notice. I, I posted it today. I was like. 
when it was something funny, I was like, three of my picks did nothing. And it was T.Y. Hill and Jerry Judy and I think like Nico Collins. So three of my seven to eight receivers were pointless. Robert Woods contributed more than Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy played all his games. Robert Woods played like five. Mm. <laughs> like like yeah, how embarrassing is that, right? Like so just getting those picks right. And it has to the make pr- sense on a team. Yeah, so Preston, when you looked at the looked at the data from last year on Underdog, did you notice anything about the roster builds that went far, or was it just kind of random as David's saying? Yeah, so in terms of like how they actually did like their success rate, it was you know to Davis's point, things kind of just evened out. There wasn't really anything that was sticking out too much. Okay, um, you know, all around like kind of whether it was like zero RB here or RB robust like four running back builds, whatever it is. Like they were all, they all kind of like flattened out, and you know we're approaching more of like an average, um, which was pretty interesting to see um, in terms of success rate. At least there was like some, you know, some things that gained more popularity too, um, just in terms of like usage by the field. Um, for example, like it was pretty overhyped last year drafting four running backs and stopping at four running backs, so that took a massive increase in utilization by the field. Kind of in in turn, that small sample size turned large performed worse this past year but um you know another kind of interesting area where the field switched it up a little bit from 2020 was that more people last year were drafting only two tight ends versus three tight ends um and i think it was just kind of along the lines of there were more i guess more sharp people drafting this past year than the previous year um there were a lot of like analysts who were getting into it just a lot more um just hardcore grinders and whatnot and um, whereas like traditionally kind of when you have a lot more casual players they typically take a more balanced approach with their rosters so they're drafting you know like three quarterbacks three tight ends you know five six running backs six seven wide receivers they, they don't really think about like as much you know the effects of each position and the draft capital allotted to it so it's more of like a you know, higher end player type thing that you start actually thinking about and considering, you know, when should you stop at two quarterbacks versus, you know, three quarterbacks and so on. Yeah, that was a big thing for me, um, especially with underdog last year. It was the first time that I had, I had jumped on and done a, a lot of different teams and leagues in, or uh, in, in their league and platform. But I had, you know, my guys that I was going after and, and Waller was one and, and whatnot. So if I got a Waller or, you know, I don't think I had any Kelsey, but um, Waller, even a Kittle, I was like, all right, I'm done until the end. And then maybe take a flyer on my last pick with a third tight end. But I was pretty steadfast on on going three quarterbacks too in a lot of my teams just mm-hmm. because of of how many injuries we see with the quarterbacks. I mean, and just it's every year it's it seems like it's worse and worse and worse, but it's it's just consistent that they they always get injured. So that was kind of my my big thing with it. I mean, and the points contribution from like a lack of a QB is huge, right? Like the, that one team I told you that could have been like a $9,000 team, it's, it, it just came down to just having Big Ben at the end, which is like yeah. really, really bad, right? You change Big Ben to like any other random mediocre quarterback, I that team gets They probably could have had Kirk Cousins for around the same price last year. Mm, I, could, I could have Derek Carr. Derek Carr yeah. would have killed it like all day, right? Like – no, yeah, better than Ben, at least. <laughs> huge difference. Derek Carr was like a finals pick last year. I think me and Preston were talking about how he was just like value down. And somebody else put a shush on to him, but it was just one of those things like, yeah, like why aren't we taking three QBs, especially if you're going to go very late? Um, especially when Jared Goff actually carried people into the semis last year. Oof. He had that big game in week 15. <laughs> yeah, like it was it, it, yeah. One random 18th round pick. Come you on, never like, thought you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one. I, and then I think when you guys are talking about tight ends, I think the tight end value was so much better last year, right? You had Mark yeah. Andrews, you had Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, all in like rounds six, seven, eight, versus Darren Waller, who was like round two. Like, yeah, he was I was all in on the Waller train, man. So I, was I mean, yeah, don't blame anyone for that, right? Like, <laughs> when, when those other mid-tier guys that could be potential elites that go in round eight, that's great. You take those, right? Like you take Dallas Scott this year, who's at pick 101. 
Like yeah. you take him. Like it's good value. Don't well, show. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start talking about this year. So let's get into the strategy for this year. Now that you know we've we've reviewed last year, let's get into this year. So to start real quick, if you had to choose your draft slot, where would you go, Preston? I'd probably go like three or four somewhere on there, just because it makes the choice pretty easy. It's you know it's. If if one of the running backs falls, as in like CMC or you know Jonathan Taylor, I'll take them. Otherwise, like more than happy, just go ahead and grab Cup or Chase or Jefferson and just call it a day. Makes it like pretty pretty easy just to take who's falling or take whoever's there. Um, but once you kind of get pushed to the middle middle picks, just gets mm, hard hard much harder to decide. Are you are so you're back in on the CMC train? I mean, I I know a lot of people are you know scared to death of him after two years in a row of just disappointment. Yeah, I'll go back. I'll, I'm back in on the CMC train. You know, all right. I'll Fair go enough. back to the wall on him. Davis, where where is your ideal draft slot? Oh man, he stole mine. Um, it's actually no. Nah, I mean, if it's the same, it's uh, the same. Just it's, you know. it's a little bit of both. I obviously the first two picks are just king. Like it's easy, right? Like you you got to grab John Taylor. You got to grab CMC when you can. Um, but I like the three and four because I actually like to get weird with it sometimes. If I'm drafting from the three, four, the four, five, so often, most of the times you're getting Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Like I'm just I'm I'm just gonna say no and grab Derrick Henry, or I'm gonna grab Dalvin Cook. Um, and then it gives me the ability to do variants. I can grab. Dalvin Cook into a Saquon, into a Michael you know, Michael Mike Williams, right? I, I really enjoyed that more so than falling in that line because I, one hundred four to one hundred eight, you can grab almost anything. You can, it's always going to be different. I know who I'm not grabbing, so I'm always good there. And then um, I'll also take uh, the one twelve because the one twelve right now has been really fun because you can end up with Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and <laughs> and you made yeah right like in, in this moment, okay. this is in <laughs> full and. I don't see any way in history right now, like short of like some of them, the guys just vanishing off the map where they don't get 300 touches, right? Like how do those two teams win without 300 touches? And the answer is they don't. So yeah. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry are just two guys are going to guarantee you 600 touches between two players. And you never need to touch running back again until you need to grab their handcuffs. Like Madison at 120, um, Damian Williams at 101. And then I'm great. I'm done. I have four running backs. Then I can I can load up a receiver at the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and so on. Um, so I really enjoy 112, 113. You're getting really cute there. You're getting Aaron Jones. You're getting Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Um, you can reach for Saquon, which is totally fine. Saquon should be a second rounder, but he's a third rounder right now. So I really enjoy the that turn also. I'm I'm afraid of Saquon. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm being out. too careful this year. I, I just <laughs> I kind of like the back end of the draft. I, you know, I, we just recorded all those team previews, uh, and so the, the the last few we'll be posting here in the next couple of days here on the YouTube channel. Um, the more I was looking at like the the early r- rankings and the early ADP here, you know, it's early June, so things are going to change. But after JT, like those first few running backs, right? You've got CMC, you've got Derrick Henry, you've got Dalvin Cook, you've got Eckler. I kind of don't want to pay up for them. I know they're good, but like there is so much risk that they do not return that value. Like I kind of want the back end guys and just like double tap and just, you know, I'd be good with, you know, Mixon and Kamara, right? Like you can almost get both of those guys, like in some drafts. Like I would love that kind of a start, you know, when it comes to it. It probably would, you know, mix in a receiver now and then too, but. That, I kind of prefer the back end. I don't know, AJ. What was your thoughts with it? I mean, I, I'm good wherever. I feel like I, with best ball, to me, you have certain guys that you know you want to get, and you want to get them at certain spots. So, you know, if I'm in the beginning, then I can work with that. If I'm at the end or towards the end, I could work with that. I think the middle scares the crap out of me though, because <laughs> that's going to be the hardest. Like, well, do I reach on somebody here thinking they're not going to get back to me? Or, you know, do I get to reach at the corners more than you do the middle? Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel like to me, I'm, 
I'm good with whatever. I, I just I'm I'm I haven't done enough best ball to be choosy at this point, I guess. But that could change this year, so we'll find out. Um, you know the 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 next uh, next thing we want to look at. We've we've already kind of touched on this a, a bit, but for this year and knowing what we've learned from last year, uh, what's up, Jeff? Oh, uh, best pulse already. already already. I, I I don't know, Davis Preston. Okay. You guys got that one beat? I'm sure. Uh, yeah, 180. <laughs> I knew. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's got you crushed. Davis has drafted more since the NFL draft ended. Um, oh yeah, years, I forgot so. about like my other draft. So yeah, I'm probably going on 200. Oh my goodness. <laughs> But I didn't drop that heavy in backyard best ball or super flex as much as I would like to. I, I really wanted to wait until after free agency. Um, Jeff, you got some work to do. Uh, <laughs> Russell, Gage, like Russell Gage was one of my favorite guys wow. to pick up, and it worked out. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, back to the topic at hand here. Uh, knowing what we've learned from last year, what will be your typical roster build this year? What has been for your hundred and some odd drafts, 200 that you've already done? Is there a consistent build type that you've gone with or, or a more typical one? Yeah. Maybe, a typical like, one. Not, not necessarily like, uh, uh Preston will make fun of way. me. He knows mine's the three, five, seven, three, like the safest one in town. So now. explain, explain what that means uh, for yeah, so people who three, don't five, know. Seven, three is a three quarterback, five running back, seven receiver, three tight end. I think that's um, what I did a it, lot last year too. It, it <laughs> yeah. pivots a little. Like if I got a, a Jalen Hurts and a Trey Lance, then it's going to be a two, you know, five, eight, three. Or, or if I grab two tight ends, like if I grab Kyle Pitts, it becomes whatever. But it allows minor variance. It's just you compensate for whenever something lacks. And it provides a lot of nets in the sense that, that you're trying to contribute at every position versus having a possibility of not contributing it in one position, which is what I think killed a lot of people last year. So I want to ask you a follow up on that one. So I feel like I did that build a bunch last year, that, that two or three quarterback, five running back, or that is two or three yeah. quarterbacks, five running backs, and then like seven receivers and then like two or three tight ends. Right. Receivers, I did yeah. that a lot. And my teams didn't do all that great. Now, granted, I don't diversify as much as you, but my teams didn't do all that great. And I wonder, and, and I'll tell you, the biggest reason why they didn't do great is my running backs all just died. Uh, like, they all they all got crushed. I had a lot of CMC last year. Uh, I could, For some reason, I kept getting the first overall pick, and I kept getting CMC, which backfired, obviously. I had Henry in one, was doing great, and then that died. So yeah. is there any thought to... Maybe, you know, for somebody who plays, you know, as little as I do, is there any thought to maybe making your typical roster build, you know, adding one more running back for, for kind of your lower, um, I, I don't, I don't see anyone should be doing that. If you're doing it, you should be hedging. You should be structuring a little bit different, right? If I take Dalvin cook, I'll take Madison, right? If you're injured, if you're worried about concern injuries, you, you kind of go that route. If you, I wouldn't take. Um, five running back is already kind of robust. Like I think most people will agree it's pretty robust, especially if you're drafting running back early. As much as I love drafting running back early too, to top it off, like I'll admit, like if I have five running back and three of my top picks are those guys, you're adding any more else, you're losing value. Um, right, right now, this year specifically, there's so much good value in the middle. You're getting guys like Damian Harris at like 101, Antonio Gibson at 70, like. Brees Hall at 55. You, you know, you can find a lot of these, like, really interesting. Devin Singletary, back-to-back best ball champion winner, right? And he's at pick 110 or something ridiculous. Like, you can you can hedge. You can hedge with Devin Singletary, James Cook, for pick 107, 108. You know? Hmm. Um, and that was the huh? strategy I talked about last year with Zach Moss Singletary. I was like, guys, they cost you nothing. Just take them both. You know? Yeah. So if one did happen to just die, you would be good to go because the other one would be there for you. Um, you know, you're not hedging with like Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, where they guys were expensive. So I don't. I think five running backs is perfect amount, 
I any one less, one more it won't kill you, but you just can't be investing too much ADP. Yeah, I'm not talking go like eight running backs. I'm talking no, 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 like maybe I, maybe make it a six running just, back build for having, like you have to be yeah. a zero RB team to do that. And four yeah, RB team. Yeah, that's just kinda how it is in in best ball. It's just the, the fact of the matter is that it's a lot of a lot of it is about upside. So like in a managed league like redraft, you know, if you draft two running backs early, um, even if you only draft, you know, five total or whatever, you have three on the bench. Um, just the fact of the matter is in football, the running backs get injured at such a high clip. So um, the difference is in a managed league you can hit the waiver wire. You can try to do everything you can to, you know, fix the injury when it goes down. But in best ball, I mean, you can, you know, you don't want to over prepare for injuries. Like it's just, sometimes you're just going to get screwed on injuries and that's, that's what it is. But, and that's why it's like a high upside type game. So we talked about injuries already. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip a question and we'll go back to it. But since we're talking about injuries and you mentioned, you know, if you draft cook, you Jake Madison, right. If you're worried about it, do you guys, Maybe not all the time, but do you find yourself doing that? If you take those kind of injured, like, do you take a CMC? Would you take, you know, the uh, the backup there, right? No, I typically don't. I try not to, you know, sort of fall into that. Like, I'm not opposed to kind of doing what Davis was talking about, where you're taking like Cook and Singletary just based on like their cost. You know, their ADPs are so much lower in general, but. Usually, especially if I'm already taking one of the running backs, like a first couple of picks, I don't really want to handcuff them. I'd rather just aim more for the upside that um, I hit on someone else's handcuff, um, just because otherwise, like it's it's hard to find too many valuable handcuffs in the first place nowadays. Like uh, you know, like Alexander Madison's probably one of the the last ones left. Um, some of the last Lone Rangers out there as a good handcuff. RB otherwise like we just see it so much more often now that teams are just unpredictable or they're just moving to some sort of committee um, once the lead back goes down so um, it's it's too hard to like predict that you'll even get good replacement level value um, while also potentially just sacrificing a roster spot David do you agree or disagree with that no I actually agree with uh, Preston on that one so I don't I, you know short of Madison maybe Jamal Williams um, if Tony Pollard, if he would have been 50 picks later, like, I, right, yeah, he's going a little early yeah. still. <laughs> but, like, if you're drafting, like, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, like, I just feel like you're just hurting yourself because they're so expensive. You know, pick 18, pick 8, 75, right? Like, you're basically right. spending how many, what, two of your seven top picks into this? Like, it has to be really, dis- it has to be very far away and it has to be a guarantee, right? I don't want to end up in a Niles Davis situation, which, if you guys remember when Jamal Charles was there, like everyone grabbed Niles Davis off the waivers and it became like Trevor Ward. We all looked, or Kendrick West. We all looked really dumb. <laughs> so, like, so it ends up being a dead pick more than often, unless it's guys like Jamal Williams, um, Kareem Hunt later, or Madison. There's not a guarantee. Like, I mean, look at James Robinson. He came out of the blue. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we have a question here from Jeff, actually. Uh, who are your top five highest-owned, rostered, whatever we want to call it, players at the moment? Uh, you guys probably got to pull that up, so I'll give you a yeah. second. I got mine, because uh, I just, just know it. <laughs> it's sad. It's, uh, DK Metcalf is, like, my number one. Like, it's All right. My- it's gotten bad. It's probably going to be like 60, 70% exposure, which is... Like he's, he's His value has dropped like a rock. You know, or he's, his he's ADP a, has dropped. So I get worse. it. I get it. Oh, yeah. I mean... Um, followed by Damian Harris. Uh, Gerald Everett is making the cut. A lot of Tua and a lot of Trevor Lawrence. I okay. really like those guys in their position right now. They cost you nothing. They can score on the ground if they have to, which is going to happen with Trevor Lawrence, I think, more than Tua. Um and they're just so like, so cheap, man. Like, and I think Damon Harris right now is like the best value running back. Like last year, I, I I've seen him. a lot of tweets about him. Yeah, I, I called Melvin Gordon last year. Got a lot of hate for it. And Damon Harris is just Melvin Gordon again. He's just going to be a guy that like plods his way into your RB two or flex randomly. Right. Yeah. Like if you ask yourself every week, can Damian Harris get me sixty yards on a touchdown? And the answer will be yes. Every week, that's what yeah. he can do. He likes he likes your two a call. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So back to the question at hand, Preston. Do you got your uh, numbers up yet? Yeah. Uh, hold on. I was trying to. <laughs> I 
I may I oh I can pilot something at one point or another to like combine all the different contests into one. Oh, exp- yeah, because they're like they're split. Oh, right, they yeah yeah they break it they break it down yeah, but yeah. Um, no, I'm not okay. Let's see. So, yeah, just just get what you can. It's I'm fine. just gonna have to go off my uh, my highest volume draft, which is actually sure. from the pre pre NFL draft. Um, but wouldn't change anything about these exposures at least. But um, there were better values back then. The first one is David Njoku. Uh, right. Number two, Gus Edwards. Three is Nico Collins. Four is Kenyon Drake. And five is Kenneth Gainwell. Is this last year? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, agent. Like, Shots fired. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love Shots. the Gainwell pick, honestly. You're I'm totally saying, yeah. He, well, yeah, he, but it, he was awesome last year. I mean, he he, he was like the definitive best ball player because you got him for nothing last year or probably no one even had him but he put Uh together like strings of games that were worthwhile and and were probably playable so yeah he had some nice spike weeks i just wish those i think when miles sanders like actually went down later in the season then they were you know trying too hard to rely yeah. on jordan howard and whatnot i wish they would have given him actually more work yeah. in but they should have I mean, yeah, that's a whole different conversation for a different show but all right so um i lost my <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about that, but um, what about bye weeks? I, I mean, do you guys even factor this in at all? I mean, in in a in a redraft league or a keeper league or standard, you know, typical scoring head to head, you know, you could set up a roster where bye week you have everybody on one week and whatever how does that differ for best ball though do you have yeah i think players yeah i mean you you want to consider them at least but they're not too big of a deal right like it's fine if you have you know three or four wide receivers with the same bye week it's not going to kill you like at the end of the day you just want to make sure like if you only draft two quarterbacks like probably try to aim that both of them don't have the same bye weeks just because you're you're automatically sacrificing one week that you're not going to have any points like even if it's a bad week from the you know from the quarterback that you have available i'd rather take you know the two bad weeks that you have the the quarterbacks playing separately while the other ones on their bye week versus you know potentially getting a solid week um when the two of them are together and then you take a zero the next week when they're both on by, if that makes sense. But, you yeah. know, even if they're, even if they're playing at like four weeks when the other one's on a buy, you're probably sacrificing less points than just taking the zero on both their bye weeks. Yeah, Dave, do you agree with that? As Preston said, like, yeah, I, I personally try to avoid it. Like, uh, so this year I really hate week nine. Like week nine kind of just annoys me. Week ten is pretty annoying too. And the guys I wrote down for week nine, these are the ones that come off the top of my head, right? It's Najee, Chubb, Gordon, Saquon. There's Z. a lot. <laughs> like, and, and here's the thing: like, those are all players that most guys kind of like, right? Like Najee, Chubb, Gordon, Saquon, and Zeke mm-hmm. are are really likely to end up on many teams. And now that you have these two, you're you're sacrificing a lot of points, right? And if, if they're if they're quarterback versions of it, you're losing twenty points a week for whenever those if there's if you have nothing going on. Um, I, I'm really about points contributions, especially when you. Luckily, this year, these last two years, the underdog has allowed people to make it with the top two teams. But when you're in a top one team only, you would be surprised how close the number one and two teams are. Sometimes, 20, 30 points can be the difference when you make your money back or you're waiting till next year. Yeah. Um, so I, I do pay attention to my bye weeks, especially on my heavy hitters. Um, and I will draft to compensate, right? Like I will force a Damian Harris. I will force a third QB, a third tight end. Maybe not a third tight end, but the, those two positions, I will definitely force a, a guy in to, to make sure I get points that week. So I, I small follow-up on this one. What about – and because I don't know the exact weeks. I haven't studied it yet, but – there's some late bye weeks this year. Week we're talking week thirteen and week fourteen. Um, 
do does underdog or RT sports like do their playoffs if you want to call it because yeah, that's what it is right do their playoffs happen during those weeks so, no so wow. they they start the last week or i guess the week after by week so 15 so, yeah you'll be clear. so 15 16 17 okay so you don't have to factor that in okay um I did have a team that lost out though because they had too many week 14 guys and they didn't put up enough points the leftovers oh. and actually missed the playoffs on oh, the team because of that. it was like That's missed by like 15 points or something i mean it you know at same thing could have happened in week eight or nine or ten or whatever. You know, it just happened in the last week, which kind of stopped. Yeah. So, um, if you have too many, though, you go from a point range of like, oh, of course, should be one to one twenty. I think that week I had sixty five, so I was way below average, and that really killed me. <laughs> like, you killed me bad. That that's that's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, so you need to be aware of it. It's not you draft around. You don't draft. You know, yeah. strategize around the bye weeks, but it it is something you need to pay attention to to make sure you don't have, you know, ten of your roster spots all during the same bye week because it's going right. to kill you. So I I totally get that. All right, let's move over here to some player valuation here, and um, you know, just real quick, give give your thoughts on how you you know you value players, right? You know, whether it be like say floor, bust guys, like who. How do you value these guys, and and you know, where do you, how do you prefer them type of thing? Like, uh, Preston, you go first. Yeah, so I think I think first of all, in basketball, sometimes people will sort of underrate floor players to a certain extent. Like, you have to be careful of the players that are like only putting up a consistent ten points a week, but they don't have to always be some sort of boomer bust player. Like, some people will just argue that you need you know ceiling or get out but i think you know every good team needs a couple of nice four players but in general you know i'm always going after the more volatile boom bust guys in general in best ball like i'm after like kind of retrain my brain when i go play like redraft or something like that to like not take these sort of like high volatile guys that i'm like always drafting in best ball because you know i don't care like i'm not worried about start sitting them um but you know, I think going after those guys who have a high ceiling and like like Davis was talking about earlier with DraftKings, like those guys that will hit the bonus, you know, three, maybe three or four times a season even. But just those massive spike weeks do matter because it's cumulative points either way. Like even just to make it to the playoffs and underdog, you're counting on a cumulative score through the first 14 weeks. Uh, Davis, what's your thought on that topic? So this is that point about some points contributed. Um, I and this is why I think last year, Joe, when we were talking about like, hey, how good is Jarvis Landry, right? I think we had this conversation like, is Jarvis Landry a great pick? And I remember like I completely just hated it. And he's kind of a thing. And hopefully, I get to this article one day that I get to do it. He's exactly the epitome of someone I don't like taking when they're expensive. But I don't mind taking when they're cheap, as Preston was saying. Like, these floor guys are really nice because they get you 9 points, 10 points a week. But it's a lot different than full PPR. It's, you know, half PPR is a totally different set of scoring when you look at the grand scheme. Um, so, like, I, I call it the Jarvis Landry line. Like, will this guy contribute points? And if the answer is no, I tend not to draft them unless, like, it's a bottom-end guy with possibly, like, game is kind of crowded right now is value town jarvis landry this year is value town right but there's a difference between jarvis landry at pick 150 and jarvis landry at pick 90 right like where i could get somebody that could mike mike williams last year who, who could get me randomly 60 yards on a touchdown on one catch and he contributes he contributes every week you know he, I think he contributed eight games last season something ridiculous for how much he costed right um so i do like grabbing floor guys but they have to be at the bottom um or the ceiling guys at the moment. It has to really be balanced. I can't grab a team of slot receivers. I can't grab a team of whatever because 126 points gained and zero points contributions is zero points contribution. And that's how your roster will look like. Um, so if anyone has a chance to go look at their old teams, look at the results and you're going to go like, wow, this guy really was a dead pick for me. And you see it more often than not. Um, so those kind of, I will try to. Grab. Oh yeah, I, I get you saying yeah. So they yeah. they they had that many points in the season, but they never actually scored for yeah. you. They, they so I I get what you're saying now. So um, like last year, that kind of went over my head for a second there. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, yeah. now I know. <laughs> it's, it's <something laughs> it just 
miss. Hit me. <laughs> it's completely missed. That's the one twenty talking, though. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As he hits his microphone, what, what good job. Uh, so we got a couple questions here, or, or we got a, we got a question here. Another one. Um, oh, so uh, green screens media. I'm with paying. Uh, I mean, upside late. Yeah, get it. Um, grab a slot guy at the end. It's fine, but like, yeah, I'm not yeah. grabbing four of them. Do you have a question from Jeff here? So in large field tournaments, do you build some off the wall teams just to be different? We kind of touched on this earlier, uh, but that's cool. We, we can answer it, uh, cause I think Jeff, you weren't here earlier. Uh, nothing crazy, but for example, do you take Jamar Chase one on one? So, um, Davis, I think you were the one that, that kind of, that kind of talked about this. Maybe I think we might have actually been talking before the show now that I'm thinking about it, but, um, I personally wouldn't do that. I feel like you get one on one so little. That you can't get weird with it. I would say if you had somebody ranked higher, um, then the consensus one on one, that's fine. But you get so little of it that you can't. I mean, you get you can do that one hundred three. You can get Jamar Chase at one hundred three, and it'd be the same, almost the same exact effect as one hundred one. So I think you can get away by doing that at the one hundred three, one hundred four, one hundred five. I think that's what Preston was talking about before why he likes that position because you can get kind of funny. You can skip Cooper Cup and grab Justin Jefferson. You know, you can do something like that. I would never so do what, one-on-one. So with the one 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 two, you're pretty much locked in with JT and CMC. Um, yeah, you definitely you, want you that. Not CMC, but I could – one one I'm locked. 102, 103, 104, I'll mix it up. If I got one yeah. yeah. enough times, I'm not going to grab CMC. I'll grab Justin Jefferson. Because I yeah, want that weird – like I said, that Saquon, Justin Jefferson, Leonard Fournette team. Maybe yeah, it's just one. not worth – giving up you know jt at the one-on-one or um you know whatever it is just because like you know kind of like davis is getting at like when you're sitting at picks three four and five like you can get enough jamar chase or justin jefferson that you can be overweight on them still without having to do something you know as crazy as taking them at the one-on-one so yeah yeah i mean if i if i was lucky enough to get a one-on-one it's it's gotta be jt all the way um Mostly because I'm out on CNC. So, uh, all right. So we talked about some safe floor boom bust guys, some ceiling guys. What about rookies? Um, how are you guys valuing the rookies this year for best ball? Preston, go for it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm definitely. I would be, you know, tempering my expectations with some rookie QBs based on how last year went, but I mean, they're all bad anyway, so it doesn't really matter there, but yeah. Um, you know, in general, I'm definitely a fan of rookies, especially like rookie wide receivers or kind of more of those late round rookie running backs because, you know, like we talked about, like we play a lot of underdog and so the format really kind of lends itself to the general rookie process where um, you know, you can survive by not really getting much regular season or much like, you know, first half of the season production out of the rookie. But then if they sort of come on towards the end, like, you know, think about Amron St. Brown from St. Brown from last year, where he kind of later or later in the season, last half, he really took off from there. That really helps you out come playoff time. So like once you actually make it to the playoffs, the rookies then develop. They've you know they've earned their time in the field. They've gotten used to the system. So it all kind of meshes together well and um, kind of forms a good upside case there. All right, Davis. Any thoughts on the rookies? Um, I, I I'll never draft a rookie QB. I'll never do it. Um, I hate it. I wrote a whole segment last year on our our website about how like <laughs> you had to be perfect to be good. That, like, and I think I like it was Baker Mayfield. I was like, you have to be Baker Mayfield rookie year, which is the best besides Justin Herbert, and that's the average of the best, or RG three, right? Like, right. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, crazy. Getting one, but that section. was years ago. And I, I, and I, how, how many rookies do we get that do that, right? Like, it's not none. often. So in the last year, those guys were drafting no. Trey Lance at pick like one hundred, Trevor Lawrence at pick one hundred, and I remember just like going like, this is dumb. This is absolutely dumb. You can get Derek Carr two, you know, 120 picks later at 220, which paid out like way better, right? Like I just, yeah. I just found that real. I'll never do it. Wide receivers, though, totally different story. Running back, totally different story. I will. I, I have so much nausea last year. Um, uh, wide receivers, I can see it. If if the quarterback is someone you trust, if the team is good enough, you know, like Chris Olave, like with Winston, if someone told me they liked him, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, yeah. Go grab that because I could see that being more viable than Kadarius yeah. Tony. I, I, I'm not. I might take Tony, but if someone took a lobby over Tony, I'm not mad. 
it makes sense. So um, rookies and skill positions all day, short of maybe tight end. Um, Kyle Pitts kind of proved why it wasn't so great last year. Yeah. But he wasn't bad still, just needed a little bit more touchdowns. So I'm, I'm okay with it. It's just, just QBs, I'll never do it. You're asking for like such a death sentence when you take a rookie quarterback. It's yeah, hard it's, it's hard. It's it's tough. It is yeah. tough. I mean, even even the uh, the can't miss Trevor Lawrence missed. <laughs> yeah, Not totally his fault, but yeah, we know, we know. Round yeah. 18, that's cool, but these guys were inflated. They, everyone was yeah. trying to catch Justin Herbert 2.0 last year. Yeah. Like, that was terrible. I avoided all of them last year. Still didn't help me, but I avoided them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, let's let, my goal. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I'll tell you one strategy, by the way, that I, I totally forgot to say it before we moved on here. One strategy, and AJ can uh, agree with this, never draft in the car on the way back from the Fantasy Football Expo when you're super hungover. We were literally like, AJ was driving, and I was like, let's do a draft. Bling. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare. Um <laughs> It was fun, but no, I'm pretty sure no, that team was, was probably the probably the worst team. That, that anyway, team was bad. So, so who um who are some players that you guys are fading at their values right now? And Davis, you can you can start this one off. Um, right off the bat, AJ Dillon is someone I'm just not taking much of. He's funny enough a bad best ball championship winner back-to-back years too, just like Devin Singletary. Um, <laughs> but I think if you value Aaron Jones, you can't value AJ Dillon as hard. Especially at, like just as early as he is, right? Like uh, once you start triple digits ADP, you're fine. But he's like mid seventies. Especially like an underdog, long. right? I mean, it's full, yeah. it's full, it's full PP. Uh, oh, is it a half? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's well, I guess. Okay. So RT I should really say the other ones, RT and yeah. the other ones, they're all full. So, <laughs> He's even more of a fade there. Yeah. But he, so AJ Dillon, Christian Watson like the is pretty expensive. Um, just Green Bay as a whole kind of painful. Um, I'm not sold on the Broncos as a wide receiver core like Jerry Judy, and, and definitely not taking Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is so expensive. I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins. I'm off. Yeah. Time. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't. A suspension. Yeah. I know. And, he's and he's back. suspended. Yeah. I was just gonna say. Well, Michael Thomas. Know. I have no idea he's coming back or not. But yeah, we just don't know. Yeah, Davis is definitely uh, pretty exhausted after drafting so much Michael Thomas <laughs> last year. Cost me so many lineups. He made it to my finals, though. I think he made they, it to the they, finals with me. Every time a new injury report came out, like in a negative manner about Michael Thomas, I think Davis went and drafted Michael Thomas. Like for every single like, bad thing, Davis I, had yes. Michael Thomas. I had yeah. I had quite a bit this of Michael Thomas exactly last year too, and that burned me pretty bad. I was like, ah, oh, he'll be fine. Nope. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I did have him. Maybe like one or two, but it was late. It's like, eh, why not? All right. So that being said, then well, uh, Preston, oh, what, we, what are yours? Yeah, sorry, we didn't Preston, get Preston. Who are your fades? Yeah, I think my biggest fade right now is probably Tim Patrick. Um, he's going like right around ADP of one twenty, so like kind of tenth or eleventh pick. Um, I think people are just too, in general, like high on Russ being in Denver, just in the fact that like there's only so much to go around to everyone. You have court, you know, you have Sutton, you have Judy, you have both running backs, you have Albert O and the tight, the rookie tight end, and you also have KJ Hamler too. Um, so like you know, Hamler being there alone, I don't think it solidifies that Tim Patrick's even the wide receiver three. Um, and even if he is the wide receiver three, like he might be the fourth or fifth option, and you know, that's fine. Like, you don't have to com- completely avoid that player in best ball. Like, that's fine for spike weeks. But that should be, like, a second-to-last or last-round pick type of player. That shouldn't be someone you're using a 10th or 11th-round pick on. Yeah. Yeah, the the other thing, too, with Judy and this groin injury, or is that, like, come and gone already? Or are we just mm, not even going to be around for a little while? But I mean, I, I feel like it's... It's June. Early June right now, so... worrisome to a point, but yeah, Tim Patrick is, you know, he's come in and he's had great success for a few weeks at a time as an injury replacement, but this year's definitely going to be different, I think. Um, So, 
moving on from fades and and looking at just guys that are gaining value um more of your later round picks uh preston who are you looking at more in the later rounds or or that you see as as value there yeah so i think i think one of my favorite ones kind of going back to the whole rookie rookie players i think it's going to be you know romeo dubs with green bay i just like the idea of you know how could be wide open that wide receiver room is like we've kind of seen enough of lazard um you know he could step up maybe not like you know we've already had reports about christian watson and he kind of already was like a raw prospect to begin with and you know in all honesty like it's not out of the realm of possibility that dubs is the could be like the wide receiver one in green bay like it's it's definitely in the range of outcomes um but really even at the worst case him being like the third option or you know, third or fourth option, even um, on an efficient offense with an elite QB. Like I'll definitely take that as my last pick every time. Okay. Davis. Um, there's quite a couple of them. My final picks, uh, Nico Collins is no, it's not, me and Preston always talk about Nico Collins. Nico Collins is like a guy for me. You know, he's one of the few players that, like, last year that the Texans traded up for, right? A tank, a team that was tanking traded up for you. That's always that sounds crazy to me, which is great, right? Um, John Mechie's another. I kind of want all of that Texans wide receiver, not the tight end and not the running back situation too much. Maybe Marlon McAzee is so cheap, but like they're just costing you pick what 16, 17, 18. Like you can draft all three of them at the end, and you're like, I got a stack, right? That isn't Brandon Cooks. You know, yeah. Brandon Cooks is a little injury prone at times and still a stud. Like, he's got a great value. People are saying he's a little overpriced, but I think he's exactly where he needed to be because he was going so late. That way. He was going like behind Chris Olave. Like, come on, let's, like, let's get, let's talk or behind Sky Moore at one point. So, that rookie inflation, I love yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, he's at a perfect price, uh, you know, but you can get this stack, like, you know, 16, 17, 18, like John Matchy, Nico Collins, Davis Mills. Like, this is going to be fine. You know, guys that could get randomly a touchdown on a random week with 60 yards on a team that's probably going to play from behind every game. So, like, sign me up. And yeah. then um, Tyler Lockett, he's he's getting further away from where he should be. I think he's, like, wide receiver 40-something. I didn't like him much last year, but he's not terrible. Like, you're, you know, you're getting a wide receiver a guy that's most likely going to finish as a, in the wide receiver 2-3 to three column at wide receiver 45. Right? Like, Drew Lock. Geno Smith, whoever it is, it's fine. I don't care. It's Ty Lock is It won't good. be Drew Lock. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for like be, four games. Either way, Geno Smith targeted him 14 times one game. Like, you don't want that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't seem like it's too crazy to me. And then Corey Davis and Van Jefferson. Like, I, those guys just get lost in the randomly and get a touchdown every single time, and they will cost you nothing. So if yeah. you were, like, upside plays, like, give me those guys. And they're easy to stack. Matthew Stafford's kind of cheap for a Super Bowl <laughs> quarterback, you know? It's, you know, like, so Corey Davis is still getting paid. And, you know, he's no longer the one, but that's okay. And Van Jefferson is still the three, where he fits best at. He sucked as a two last year. He sucked when he took over Odell back in his pocket. But now he's playing the three again. He's going to get lost in the backfield. One and done. So sign me up for that guy, too. What what about some of these Jacksonville receivers? You know, I, I oh, kind of wonder like if you if you're if you're liking the bounce back from Lawrence, like Jones, Chenault. So much Christian Kirk and like so much Evan Ingram right now. It's kind of bad, and I do randomly add Marvin Jones and say Jones as my other random final picks. You don't like I, Chenault anymore? I don't take Chenault. I didn't like Chenault last year. I got coerced into him, and I kind of regretted getting coerced. <laughs> All right. They, you know, talk some. So I was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. He is good, and then it just didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. want what, these. Like I want Marvin Jones. The money's still there for him. I want Zay Jones. The money's there for these guys that, like I said, they're just deep shot guys. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Zay Jones is. I mean, he's got speed. He, he can he can do things, but it's very little at a time. I feel like just I just he just hasn't shown his full potential i think yeah but i'm still not buying i'm not sure he will in jacksonville either unfortunately but yeah all right guys well that is it for the best ball show i 
want to thank you for coming on. Uh, this was great information. And, uh, I mean, we could, we could probably do this for another hour if we really wanted to, like there's so much to talk about with best ball, but got it, got to cut it off, unfortunately. But, um, Davis, before we let you bounce, uh, let everybody know where they can find you, what you got going on this year, man. And by the way, I want to shout out to you on this podcast with you here. If you guys have not seen the team previews that we got on the on the YouTube channel, you have to check them out. If n- don't listen to us, I don't care. Just watch the first thirty seconds. Davis's intros that he made for those for those vi- for those videos are amazing. Um, they're better than me and whoever else was my guest. But uh, thank you, Davis, for doing those. Those were awesome. And uh, but again, let everybody know where they where they uh, can find you and what you got going on this offseason, man. Uh, you can find me here at Max Six Pack, right? I write articles only for you guys. It's the group that I write for. It's been good times. Um, catch on Twitter at PanksPicksFF. And yeah, I like doing the intros. They were fun. It was a little <laughs> great practice, and I would do it all over again. Especially yeah. in all. It was fun. We will uh, hopefully get you to make some intros for uh, all the podcasts that we got on the YouTube channel. So look forward to more awesome stuff from davis on on our on our channel here but uh have a good night davis thank you for coming on man all right uh Thanks, preston what you uh same thing man where where can we find you what you what you got in in, in store for us man yeah so you guys can find me on twitter over at ff underscore engineer underscore you can also always find me on the underdog lobbies i'm always there usually yeah. doing some drafts but uh other than that um, trying to get back into some grinding some more of the data from this past year so i'll have some more more of that content coming up um, as we move through the summer and whatnot absolutely absolutely awesome. looking forward to it man thank you for coming on again and uh, have a good night all right yep, thanks Preston. have a good one guys all right aj that is it we're at about an hour six so uh yeah we can kill it there uh next week if i can get my screen to Spine with me right now. So next week we're jumping into our division previews. We're doing uh, the AFC East, and we got Mr. Troy King Boom. joining us. Uh, so June sixteenth will be a very fun show with Hell with yeah. uh, with Troy King, a good friend of ours. Man, I, I like him. So all right, uh, AJ, I think that's all for me. You got anything else to add? Nah, I'm good. All right, man. Enjoy Oof. and uh, yeah. Somehow I finished this, so that's gonna be fun later. Yeah, somehow, oh god, that that that's twist my arm. That's, that's gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll be feeling that one in about a half hour, I'm sure. But I good night, everyone. So.